Open Field Radio. Like, subscribe, share, and review wherever podcasts are found. If I had to describe this, I'd say it's cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Because ag and life live side by side and sometimes overlap. I'm your host, Mark Flint, and this is Open Field Radio. Brought to you by Gowan Company. Gerard and Dana Fry. D&G Fry Crawfish, Iota, Louisiana. Seeding, cultivation, harvesting, eating, the culture of crawfish. We talk it all right now. So there's, so there's a crawfish season? Yes. We, we, we try and start. We'll do a little fishing in December, but uh, we go wholehearted. We start in January, and then we go on in, uh, through June. And uh, it, we, we do a lot of seeding in May and June. But um, we try and go through June, and uh, we have a, it's a, basically a six-month uh, uh, process in time. You know, we, we, we fish, like I said, starting late December uh, on into January is when we really get good and started, uh, depending on what the weather does and the catch. And then, sure. Uh, March, we go full swing into uh, catching, then we process. We take all the smaller ones, we call it the peelers the smaller ones, and those run through our processing plant. Okay. Those are all processed, peeled and packed, packaged and processed. They go to uh, uh, restaurants and wholesale, wherever. Big big stores, chain stores, we ship all over. So let me set this up a little bit. I don't know the first thing about crawfish farming or that they even farmed crawfish. That's how out of the loop I am. So if you're like me, this is going to be a complete education so get ready. I have so many questions and no questions all at the same time because I don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah. This has been going on forever and ever? Mm, well, in the last 40 years, yes. it's really taken on. Okay. It's taken on in the last, you know, uh, in the southern part here. It's really kicked up into the level where it's at now. Okay. I mean, uh, even going back 25 years ago, it wasn't close to where we are today. Now, okay. But what it is... It, it, we call it the prairie ground, prairie land, uh, kind of flat, uh, marginal ground, more for cattle um, and rice. Uh, not real good for row crops. Uh, okay. Soybeans and wheat, that kind of stuff. Sure. We call it whatever uh, the feet are wet on. You know, uh-huh. it, it doesn't produce real well. So uh, crawfish being a water crop, you know, uh, bury in the mud and so forth on. Uh, that's how the crawfish got into it in the Cajun uh, country. You know, it started years ago. Naturally, everybody would just uh, catch their crawfish in the ditches or what have you with right. little, little nets, put a little bait on it and whatever, different types of bait that would draw, uh, that would smell a little bit. And that's how it started. And over the years, and in our situation 40 years ago, uh, you know, I, I started getting into it. I started off with 45 acres, you know, and then it grew to a couple thousand acres, you know, over the years, several thousand. With the rice commo- uh, market, the commodity market, uh, in the last 20, 25 years, we were needing some type of subsidy to compensate uh, the rice industry. Sure. And, and crawfish just fell right in because the crawfish feed off of the rice stubbles, the leftover straw. Okay. Stubbles. All so right. that's their food vegetation, we call it, for the crawfish. And so, and then over the years, we've learned the oxygen levels and how to oxidate the water with the water wells and, 
and so forth on. And, and now, you know, we've come a long ways where we used to catch maybe two or 300 pounds to an acre. Now we're in at 2,000 and 2,500 pounds in, in, in many in cases, acres. you know. Wow. So it's, uh, it, it, we've come a long way, LSU, UL, different uh, colleges down south here, you know, they've done so much testing and, and, and experimenting over the years that they've really done a lot for us in that, that area, you know. You raise them, you harvest them. Does the bulk of it stay in this region, go nationwide? What? Oh, we ship all over. Do you? Yes, yes, we go all over. We, we have our own trucks that we have a 24-hour route that we'll, we'll go out 12 hours one way. Okay. But that's on the live market. And then the tail meat, what's processed, well, then that goes all over. We ship the frozen goods out all over. The, the crawfish industry has really opened up since they've come up with different ways of, of processing them. And, and as the years evolved and the processing has gotten better, it's, it's, you know, it's allowed our market to expand more, too. Absolutely. I think the curiosity and the interest is there for sure. I think so, yeah. More and more people are starting to... I mean, every day there's more and more people eating and tasting them. And I think the first time I ever had them, just like you said, as a kid, you catch a couple and somebody goes, you know, you can cook those. And you're like, what? As a kid. So you do. And next thing you know, you're like, this is great. But I I had never stopped to think that they they were literally cultivated. And you talk about seeding them. How does that process work? Well, what it is... In May, um, they, they start their bread, like in May. We look at the females. We take a female count. We do a random hand count. Okay. Uh, we'll take any 10 crawfish, handful. We look at the male-female count. Mm-hmm. We try and get a, at least a 60% female count, 60-70% female count. Then we check the egg stage. And the yellow to the dark brown egg stage is prompt. It's prime seeding time. Okay. So we put those in our rice fields. Okay. And that's normally in May uh, to early June. We put them in our rice fields in the water. And then the, normally our rice uh, crop is coming in the end of July. So we start draining our rice fields uh, the early part of July, early to the second week of July. We drain in our rice fields. For okay. The crawfish berry. They dig holes and they go into the ground. And then we harvest our rice. And then if we second crop uh, rice, if we do a second crop of rice, well, then we harvest that anywhere between uh, end of September, early October. Then we flood back up. Now, on other ground, where we do two years crawfish, the way we handle this, um, on the second year crawfish, we don't have to seed because the crawfish already have enough in there that's already populated. So we'll go in and we'll plant something for them to feed on. Where we, pl- in our, down here we plant rice. It's a good, we like the quality of the crawfish that come off of the rice crop. Off the rice. Uh, being raised in the rice industry, um, the common person doesn't realize, but if you chew on a little rice straw at harvest time, it has a, a soothing, sweet taste to it. Okay. And a clean a clean flavor, so to speak, if that makes any sense. Sure. But the crawfish have that as well. And so it, we like rice for the crawfish. We find it gives a cleaner product. Uh, uh, the fat is uh, 
in the crawfish is a clean yellow fat. Uh, we, we don't like to see the green fat in the crawfish. Okay. So we work on quality. Our whole program has been, over the last 40 years, we've worked up to get to this level. Of course, I always give my wife credit because she manages the crawfish operation and uh, from the peeling plant to the fields, and we work on water quality. You know, we've come a long ways in where we're at, and we're still learning. Every day is a new day for us, you know. Even though we've been in it 40 years, we're still learning. We're still learning. <laughs> <laughs> when we're going to know it all, we gonna, they're going to put a six foot under. <laughs> Open Field Radio. Like, share, subscribe. So listen up. The days of targeting only sedge are over. Why do I say that? ALS-resistant sedges like rice flat, small flower umbrella sedges, you know. Why pay for a one-weed product? Use Permit Plus instead. Permit Plus is powered by the gold standard in nut edge control of Permit, plus the ability to control hard-to-control broadleaf weeds. See? It's that easy. Ask your local provider today about Permit Plus. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Company. Open Field Radio. You, you see them. They grow. You monitor that as it goes along. Is yes. that right? You're looking yes. at them. Is there a size you're looking for or a, or a look you're looking for? How do you know when it's time or is it just time? Well, in, in, uh, when we flood up, let's say in early October, the mamas come out and they release the, the litter. Okay. They have eggs. They have their little ones usually on them. When, they, when you flood up, they're going to start releasing within a couple weeks after you flood up. Now, each, each mama crawfish female can carry 800 to 1,000 little ones under the tail. So, oh, my gosh. Now, to give you an idea, if you have the proper vegetation uh-huh. and the proper water quality, okay. oxygen levels at a high, okay. your crawfish can grow one inch per week in all diameters. This is figured on. So the crawfish babies that are released in October... In, uh, in January, you see, now you're talking about a, a, a small crawfish, small to medium-sized crawfish. You see, they're, they're sizable enough to eat. Okay. And then as the season comes, sure. you have, uh, they get larger. Right. Now, we focus on trying to get our crawfish in three crops. Okay. And they, they release this litter. Then in January, they're going to have another litter. And then in... in uh, Late February and March, they'll have another litter, and that takes you into the to the summer. You see, I see, and the growth is what keeps going. You catch the bigger ones and the smaller ones, and we grade out everything. We run everything through uh, graders. We wash and grade everything as sure. they come in. Sure, and uh, we have small graders on the boats that uh, the very little small ones fall through, and they go back in and they grow more. You know. So here's what I found out. This is pretty interesting. Crawfish are like crab and lobster. They have to molt to grow. They come out of their old shell in a soft shell, and they're nearly double the size. And just like soft shell crab, soft shell crawfish are a delicacy in some markets. So I asked Gerard, what's a good size crawfish? Thinking he'd tell me, oh, you know, three inches, four inches. No, not that easy. So so size-wise, just say a a medium crawfish is how big? A medium would be probably a... That's uh, 16, 16, 18 count per pound. Okay, uh, okay. And now your large crawfish can be a 6 to 10. Really? 
That big. But we've had, now, later in the season, uh, we'll have as few as three to make a pound. Oh, my goodness. Just three to four. You See, know? and, of course, you, yeah. my head goes to the little stream or the little pond you used to yeah. catch me. Yeah. And that's yeah. it's just, yeah. just an yeah. astronomical difference. Yeah. And what happens, too, at the same time when I mentioned uh, three to four to make a pound late in the year, what happens as the water heats up mm-hmm. later in the year, well, when you get into June, May and June, the water is getting hot. Sure. The temperatures are rising. So it, the, the natural thing, they build a thicker shell. Oh, I see. And, and so that adds weight. <clears throat> but they do get large. They get really large, you know. Wow. And, uh, and, and how do you harvest them? What do you do? It's all done by hand. By uh, hand? By hand. Uh, the traps, we have pyramid-shaped traps. We put bait in them. And our operation, uh, we... We run like a couple thousand acres, and we'll have uh, anywhere from 15 to 20 traps per acre. There are mechanical boats, but we got away from it in our operation. We, we push boat. Everything is walked. Every acre is walked. I'll be. And everything is, we have a little more manual labor, but it works better for us. Uh, from the quality, we keep our water clear. The reason for push boat is? Several reasons. Okay. For, for one, the mechanical boats tear up the ground. They make ruts. Oh, I see. In the ground. Sure. All of our ground is laser level. We do so much no killing mm-hmm. and we, we precision leveled everything. It keeps our land in perfect condition. It's walked. There's no tracks. And then uh, the second reason, it keeps our water quality cleaner. We have a cleaner quality. The other ones has like a paddle wheel. Right. And it, and it stirs up the mud. Okay. So the water's constantly muddy. In our whole operation, we have deep water wells. We don't use any ditch water, any runoff water. We have clean water that's pumped into our whole operation. Uh, not everyone has that luxury, but we do. And, and it works well for our peeling plant because of the sure. quality program that we work on. Quality, that's a good word. Clean water, that's good, especially when we're talking about things we're going to be eating, right? Well, crawfish, or mud bugs, as they're lovingly referred to, don't really wallow around in the mud, necessarily. They do build burrows in the mud, but their burrowing is compared more to that of, like, rabbits. Interesting. Well, I love this because I think in most people's heads, if you're not familiar with this, you think of this as a muddy dirty little creature. That's right. That's right. And what you're telling me is that is not, not no, how it no. goes at all. It, we, we try and keep it as clean of a product as possible. And uh, water quality is so important on the whole production of it. We, we find that over the year, you definitely need vegetation naturally for food source, but uh, water quality is so important with crawfish uh, from keeping the little ones alive. Your larger crawfish can live with all kinds of adverse conditions, just like a baby or a human, right. a grown-up, you know. Right. But the, the little ones need that high volume of oxygen volume and fresh water. All of that comes into play. Well, Louisiana produces 90 to 95% of all the crawfish produced in the whole country for, for retail. Yeah, yeah. Is this the region right here? I would think so, yeah. 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 Yes. A lot, of, a lot of crawfish farmers here? Yes. Oh, yes. Just about everyone... I would say 90 plus percent of the rice farmers in South Louisiana raise crawfish. The other crop. That's right. That's the other crop. Yeah. Yeah. Soybeans, don't get me wrong. I would love to have just rice and soybeans. Sure. Uh, but our land is too flat. We, we just, 
can't get in the high yields, our, our ground doesn't produce it. In a, we sandy and in a dry year, we, we burn up. In a wet year, we, we, our ground's flat, so it, it holds water. Uh, and, I, and I raised soybeans for years. That was, you know, I, I, but I had to wean out of it. Uh, just wasn't, uh, uh, we just couldn't make the circle with it. Okay. Yeah. And crawfish? Crawfish has made the circle for us. Well, at what point did you realize this was going to be something to pursue? I've been in farming 42 years. Two years after I started farming, I started raising crawfish on a small scale. And every year it just kept, you know, it kept growing a little at a time. And then the markets started picking up. In the early years, we didn't have the, the markets that we have today that we can move the product. Now, you know, in our operation, we catch uh, three to four million pounds a year. So you have to have somewhere to go with all of this, you know. Wait, three to four million pounds? Yes. A year? Yes, on an average. Yes, <laughs> on an average year. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That is <laughs> yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course, like I said, being in Arizona, we don't know the first thing about this, or let alone yeah. that volume. Yeah. I did read today that it's 100 million pounds a year. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. $300 yeah. million dollars a year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big industry down here. It's, it's amazing. A, it's a big business. Yeah. Well, I had the opportunity to go to a crawfish boil in of course, the deep south of San Diego, California. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At an LSU alumni event. Yeah, yeah. And that was my first real experience of even seeing it in right. this way, let alone the volume. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how many thousands of people were there, thousands upon thousands. Yeah. And the process to watch this whole thing go down. I'm talking to you like it's something crazy. You guys have seen it a million <laughs> times. Yeah. But it's super impressive. Yeah. I mean, that outfit that shows up to do that, to feed everybody, so forth and so yeah. on. Are you guys, are your crawfish involved in those kind of events and those things? Yes. <laughs> My gosh, yeah. that's a lot of crawfish. Let me tell you the difference of Cajun country, people that are used to eating them, that have eaten them their whole life. Right. When you figure on a crawfish ball in South Louisiana. Yes, sir. You're going to figure six to eight pounds per person live. And that's early in the season. That's early oh in the season. Gosh. Late in the season when they're larger, you that they, they larger, but you have lose more on your shell. Sure. Lord, late in the year, you if you have a good group, they, you can figure nine to ten pounds per person. Per person. Yes. yes. Oh my gosh, that's now we, in San we, Diego. You can figure one or two pounds, four or five crawfish <laughs> per person. Well, not at my table. We had a great time. We ate a lot of them. My gosh, yeah. we ate a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. What is the so once you harvest them, you bring them in, and there's obviously a processing process. Yeah, we wash and grade as they come out the field. Okay, it's like a vegetable grader. Okay, sure. Wash and grade, and it sizes them, and then we go through them by hand as they coming down and sacking, and then uh, the small ones go into our peeling plant. We okay, kill the small ones, and the reason for that, well, people that eat them they naturally they want the bigger ones that are easy to peel. Well, uh, on the peeling plant side, the small ones, you, you have more meat per pound of live, you see. On an average, you get a pound per six pounds, five and a half to six pounds in the peeling plant. Whereas when you get to your mediums, you probably take seven and a half pounds to get a pound. When you get to your large, it'll take you nine to 10 pounds to get a pound. Gotcha. You so you lose so much on your shell, you, you know. And uh, 
that's pretty much the ratio. More of Open Field Radio after this. Do you need a residual herbicide? Gambit is your best choice. It's got long residual control for many small seeded weeds like coffee bean. Gambit is the perfect fit for row rice with its long residual. The Cadillac treatment would be one ounce of Gambit at burn down pre or early post, followed by three quarters of an ounce of Permit Plus if needed. A Juvent choice is wide open. Your choice of NIS, COC, or MSO. Ask your local provider about Gambit. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Company. And now back to Open Field Radio with our guest, Gerard and Dana Fry. This is so fascinating to me. Do you get a lot of people ask you questions about it? We have actually tour groups that come during crawfish season. Do you really? And uh, and we take them on tours, and we, we don't charge. We just welcome everyone aboard, you know, and uh, we bring them from the field to the processing plant to the right. whole Whole, whole nine yards, you know. They'll be peeling and packing in the plant. We'll boil you some, and then we'll have you a, an etouffee. I had that today for lunch. Yeah. We just got back from uh, Branson last night, yesterday evening, and uh, one of the, uh, at the Clay Cooper Theater, Clay Cooper, uh, we had to bring him some crawfish etouffee. He, we were told last year not to come back without it. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame him. I don't blame yeah, them in yeah, the slightest. Yeah. So, What's your favorite thing about raising crawfish? What do you like so much about it? Besides, the money. The, I say the money. The money. Is it and I, and and not to uh, diminish it by any stretch of the imagination? Is it a hard crop to raise? It's labor intense. Okay, labor there intense. we go. Yeah, yeah, it's very labor intense. And being a rice farmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, my whole career, born and raised on a rice farm. All right. Um, we have water management. You know, uh, we have to flood these fields and sure. what have you. You have to hold the water. Well, rice, you flood two to three inches of water Okay. throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you only have water on rice about three and a half months of the rice crop okay. at the most. Three mm-hmm. to three and a half months. With crawfish, you have to manage this water. And the water, we, we try and get our water 18 inches deep. Now, 18 inches from two and a half to three inches to 18 inches is a lot of of difference. It's hard to hold that water, so we have to make big lavish structures and with sandy ground so the water washes our dirt. And so it's it's a lot, a lot of labor to keep the water, to manage the water on the crawfish. We hold water for crawfish about nine months. We flood up in late September. Uh, We start flooding late September and we hold the water all the way until July. So, wow. you know, you, you, you're in that eight and a half, nine months of water that's 18 inches deep. It, it's uh, it's labor intense, you know. Just think of, uh, you know, uh, a flood, two and three inch rain versus 18 inch rain, the force of water Correct. and everything. Right. So, uh, you know, the common person doesn't think about that kind of stuff, you know, that we do every day. It's just kind of a second nature to us, but it's challenging. And how many acres do you do? We do a couple thousand, two thousand. And how yeah. many folks does it take to make that go round? Well, there's different scenarios to that. Uh, the early part of the year, we have a couple guys that manage the water because we irrigate with our own wells. Uh-huh. And then uh, when we get into crawfish season, we'll go in, we may have 40, 50 uh, that's going to be crawfishing. But we're diversified, so these guys go from the crawfish pond to, to grading the crawfish uh, to uh, ladies peeling at the plant. That a lot of we try to get husband and wives oh, that come in, sure, and, and so it, it works out well, you know. So it takes more people, but we try and get eighty to a hundred. 
80 to 100 people manning your crawfish farm. Cool. All doing different jobs, but what about the ones that have to walk that field? Check it every day. In 18 inches of water, how many acres a day is that person walking? One goes from 60 to 70 acres. Depends on the worker. I mean, it depends yeah. on the, it, there's, there's a lot more to it. It depends on the layout of the traps. It depends on... Yeah, the layout of the form. Uh, some of our forms have uh, less levees because right. of the drop of the land, you know, and, and, you know, if you have, we call it cuts. If you have a 10-acre cut versus two and three-acre cuts because of the hills or whatever, you know, uh, they don't have to cross the levee. All of that makes a difference. You don't have to cross levees, you know, and uh, it averages, you know. What's the future of crawfish farming now? Is it good right now? I think so. We um, The COVID uh, uh, took a toll on us. Did it? It took a hard hit. <laughs> we took a really hard hit. And, and we processed alligator, farm-raised alligator in our plant in off-season. Okay. And all of that has taken a toll on us, you know. We took a hard hit. Uh our restaurants and everything, you see, having to shut down to right. uh, limited, you know, running at 25 and 30 percent and 50 percent, you know, that all comes back to the former. Well, I know in you the see. Pacific Northwest, they had an abundance of onions and potatoes and those kind of things yeah. up there simply because the restaurants yes. were not doing yes. a thing. Yes. You guys are the same thing same with thing. the crawfish same and thing. the alligator. Yeah. yeah, we took a $2 million hit in gross yeah. sales. But Local market was hit hard, very hard. Yes. It, it Restaurant market. Crippled us up. All of the locals. Your live sales aren't hit as hard because a lot of that is what, what's called these little balling huts where it's drive-through kind of stuff. Yes. So that was, you know, most people, that's all they could do. They sure. couldn't go and eat at a restaurant, so they would pick up, uh, or or down here, a lot of people ball them in their backyard. So yeah. Yeah. they'd go and pick up a sack of live crawfish and go home and cook them. That was so the live market wasn't hit quite as hard as the tail as meat. The tail meat yeah, and, yeah. And yep. any restaurants that could offer drive-through, well, they they did fairly fair well. yeah. in the in the in the crawfish season because they offered them through their drive-through. Live sales. If I was to say, hey, I want some live crawfish, how do I get those? Would I drive in and pick them up, kind of thing? Yes, yes. By the bushel, like crab, but or how? By the pound. By the pound. By the pound. Yes, yes. In a sack. Yes. yes. Typically, you buy a whole sack at a time. Yes. Yeah, I can remember yes. buying bushels of crab at Chesapeake Bay. Mm -hmm. And you go up there, and, you know, right off the dock. Same kind of idea here, right. just in the bag. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This Bring is eyes, absolutely amazing. Yeah. Fill it up. <laughs> I like that. We should have brought an ice chest, Eric. Wrong time of year. Wrong time of year. Yeah, oh we're, we're we're irrigating right now, flooding up and all, and uh, so so the little ones are uh, being released in, in some of the ponds. Storms blow through, hurricanes come through. What's that do to a crop of crawfish? I don't think it's really affecting us too hard, but we didn't we don't know what where it would affect us if we lose our oxygen levels at this okay. time of the year. Okay, you see a lot of time. You have the fish kills. I don't know if you're familiar with that in, in South, where the storms come in. Uh, it puts so much debris and stuff in the water that uh, the, the debris draws all the oxygen out. Correct. Well, if that happens to us, now, see, our, our hurricanes hit a little earlier. Right. Now, if they would hit now, we might would lose some oxygen levels. Well, then we could lose that litter of, of little ones. And, and we've had things that have happened to us in the past where you somehow uh, the first litter gets hurt somehow, our catch isn't as good. 
and then it picks back up in March or April, whatever. We catch another litter. Sometimes but, if we're not ready to flood up and and we get a lot of rain, yes. we'll we'll flood just by natural causes and, and the, the mamas will come out and release their little ones where we're not flooded up yet so that water goes away oh, no. and the little yeah. ones die. Yeah. But I don't think we'll have that this year. I don't think a hurricane will hurt us not near as bad as it'll do with the fish kill because we're open prairie, you know. And, sure. And, uh, but, uh, and you're constantly maintaining that. Yes, yes. We can control that oxygen some, to some degree. So if I'm going out looking at a crawfish and I'm looking for a good one, what am I looking for? Size, color, under the tail, if it's clean. Like us, we would break them open. Sure. It's a yellow fat. Uh, the green fat means that it's uh, lacked either oxygen levels or vegetation. The label, if it's D&G fried crawfish. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a quality. That'll be a good one? Yeah. That's the one I look for right there. That's the one I look for. In fact, you look for like... Also like, on the label, if it's from Louisiana. That's, yeah. you know what, that's the biggest part I'm getting out of this. Right, if it's right. from Louisiana, you're fine. The, that's uh, what you're absolutely like, like, yes. the, like this uh, uh, envelope, that's yellow envelope. You yeah. want a, a bright yellow fat. Now... Some of these packing plants, they dye their bags, the front of their bags, yellow, to make it look like they have a better quality of fat. <laughs> <laughs> we, we won't do that, okay? We're not going to do that. And we challenge them, you know, we challenge uh, the competitors if they do that, you know. Are crawfish considered, are they on the delicacy side? Are they on that side of the menu? Are they... Down here, not, but in other states, they're all, they are considered a delicacy. They'll serve only a couple, you see. And it's it's simply like anything else because of the freight cost, the shipping cost, you see. Whereas down here, you don't have all that extra. Right, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. That's right. Farm to table, pond right out there to your table. It's not considered a delicacy down here. It's considered a staple. A staple, (laughs) yeah. I I totally understand. I totally get it. Isn't that funny? Because regionally, I think every region has their... They're staples that, right. that don't yeah. really cross unless you start looking for them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Does the western part of the country get this? Do they understand how awesome this is, how, how great this product is? I don't know. You have to come to Cajun country to appreciate the taste of food. <laughs> I, you know, you are so right. And I, and I say that, that I've, been, I've visited here a number of times, and I come here obviously for work and for things, but the thing is, you come for the food. Yeah. I mean, and the yeah. entire region is known for the food. You tell somebody, hey, I'm going to Lafayette or somewhere yeah. over there. Yeah. They go, make sure you're going to eat. That's what yeah. everybody says. Yeah. You know you're going to eat. Yes, yeah. I am. Yes, <laughs> I am. Honestly, sometimes I don't even think North Louisiana gets it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. You don't have to travel many miles. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Food is an amazing attraction in this part of the country, all around Lafayette, Louisiana. And for my money... It's Cafe Josephine's in Sunset, Louisiana. Check it out. Chef Troy and his team, man, oh man, they call it food with attitude. So many great places to eat. Take your time. Find your favorite place. Yeah. We're going to Josephine's tonight to eat, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm looking do forward well. to Josephine's tonight yeah. because yeah. there's yeah. only one of those. Right. And I was serious. I had crawfish this afternoon for lunch. It was on the menu. Yeah. I knew we were coming over here. I right. thought, well, I'm going yeah. to do this now. I've had it before, but it was just fun to look for me, yeah. to right. f- yeah. look at it and go, hey, it's on the menu. Right. We're having some of that today. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's yeah. not many restaurants in South Louisiana that you won't find crawfish on the menu. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. And there's something cool about that. There's something really cool about that. We have about uh, that. some of our restaurants, uh, like the Fizos restaurants, uh, the real popular restaurant in Crowley and the Lafayette Broussard. And uh, it's like 20-something different crawfish dishes that they serve on their menu. Wow. Three, I believe we had counted at one time. And... Uh, different ways of cooking them from, sure you know whatever type crawfish of enchilada. yeah yeah yes. all kinds crawfish enchilada yes wait a minute wow wait a minute oh yeah you, you need to go to Fizos. <laughs> I yeah, guess Fizos so. is the place to go now. <laughs> I guess so it's a very good restaurant <laughs> yeah. I guess yeah. so your Fizos restaurants they do really well that's one of our elite restaurants that buy from us and they focus on quality. They want the best quality. See, we have all types of restaurants, not taking anything away from any other one. Mm-hmm. But one thing about your Fizos restaurants, uh, the owners of Fizos, they, they don't mind the cost. They just want quality. And so they always have the best of the best. That's and you have great. other restaurants that a medium crawfish is okay for them or, you know. Uh, but those guys, when they, in the live market, they want, we call it select. The large, perfect crawfish, that's what they want. And that they focus there from all of their dishes. You know, we have a friend that's in the uh, meat business. He has a sausage business, and he has different specialty meats. Sure. And they buy from him, and they want the best. Whatever they buy from him, they want the quality. Is crawfish a Cajun thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's here. In- Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. This is just so great. And you're so confident. I love that. It's like, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. My dad, when we were kids growing up, you know, we would catch crawfish in the ditches or whatever, you know. And they had the big black cast iron pots that back in the day they would wash clothes in. They boil the water to clean your clothes in. Well, that's what they would boil the crawfish in, put wood underneath the boiling pot, you know. And then over the years, they've come up with burners and what have you. Oh, and I sure. mean, all kinds of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> easy, easy methods of boiling crawfish today. But back in the day, you see, my dad, would, uh, he'd put wood and light a fire. And once that water would go to boiling in that black pot, they'd dump the crawfish in and then they'd have to dip them out with a net, you know. <laughs> I mean. What's your favorite way to eat them? My favorite is every kind of way. <laughs> 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 My wife is uh, boiled. That's the only way she likes them, boiled. Just boiled. Season, seasoning, sure. boiled. But sure. I like day two phase. I like it any kind of way. You name it, I like it. But boiled, I would say, would probably be my favorite. I could probably eat that every day. That's how much I, I like boiled crawfish. And, and Cajun country, we could probably boil a dish rag and put... And put you know put what? I do not on. doubt that in a minute. I do not doubt that but, in a minute. But it's just the culture down here. You know, we cook so much. We we cook anything and everything. Right. You know. Well, there is a saying, whenever people boil crawfish, they put everything but the kitchen sink in it. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. From and what's potatoes to sweet potatoes to carrots to cauliflower to... Yeah. Everything. Everything. Sausage, onions, corn. Well, and and as an outsider, if you will, you look at it and you you think obviously you think shrimp. Yes. And yet it's not that. No, no, totally different. It's total. It's a totally different flavor. Equally as excellent. 
equally yeah. as refined, if you will, yes. yep. and uh, 100% beautiful. It yeah. really is yeah. a great dish yeah. and so much fun to eat yeah. Yeah. and so much fun to see. <laughs> yeah. If you were going to give the rest of America the pep talk of pep talks for, for crawfish to motivate folks to go, you know yeah. what, you need to invest, you need to try this. This is not crazy. This is awesome. What would you tell them? If there's anything that's on your bucket list, it needs to be eating crawfish. If you haven't eaten crawfish, you, you gon' you're missing out on life. This is it. <laughs> and we invite people. We we don't mind if, if people are traveling and, and they wanna look us up, come see. We have an open door policy. You okay. know, we we're not in it. We we don't charge for that kind of stuff. Just a little entertainment that we wanna share with what we have to offer, you know. Uh we catch it on the other end. Right. <laughs> By them getting educated and getting a taste of it, you know, and then it travels further out. You know, that comes back. That circle comes back. You've been listening to Open Field Radio from Gowan Company. Like, share, subscribe, review. Everywhere podcasts are found. All rights reserved. No duplication or redistribution without permission.